0: Anybody ever felt like you're not enough? Oh, yeah. Have you ever felt like you don't have enough? I uh, don't have enough money. Anybody? You ever been in a situation where you just don't have enough money? Now, I'm not talking about just like to pay the bills. I'm talking about you wanted that yacht and you just don't have the money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you want that half million dollar house and you just don't have enough money for it. You know, and um, things like that. And, or maybe have you ever felt, maybe this week, I, there, I just don't have enough time. I, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough strength. God bless everybody in the medical field right now, the school system, of all the stuff that they're experiencing and going through. And, uh, you know, lots of prayers for everybody. Everybody's going through a lot of stuff right now, aren't they? And I say all of us probably can relate to the fact that sometimes we feel like we just don't have enough strength, mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it is. But today, I believe that God's got a great, encouraging word for us because I could stand up here and talk about politics and I could stand up here and talk about the bad news, but there's a lot of good news in here. And how many of you would like to hear some good news? Yes, Uh, uh, yes, absolutely, right? We can talk about bad stuff if we want to, and who knows, we might actually share something bad. I don't know. But most of what today is really good stuff. Because when we don't have enough, what do we do? You know, uh, so there's a scripture. I've read it 100,000 times. Uh, You've probably read it before a lot. Hopefully you have. It's in the Gospels in the book of John, chapter 6. And it's a story that all of us know, even people that just are unchurched probably know about it the feeding of the 5,000, and we're going to talk about that today, and uh, and in my years of being a pastor or preacher or any of those things, I can say that I've never actually preached a sermon on this scripture, and this week uh, God just kept hammering away at me, you know, that, you know, what do we do when we don't feel like we have enough, because I believe everybody in here understands what it feels like to be at a point in your life to where you just don't feel like that you've got enough. And, um, and it's not being spoiled, it's not being any of those things It's just there's times when you just don't have it in you you know. And so we're going to look at that today And just to make sure that we get right here It starts in verse 5, we're going to go through verse 11 And um, I want you to understand a couple of things up front Jesus fed the 5,000, alright Jesus didn't do it alone Okay. He performed the miracle, but he actually asked the disciples to do the work And so there's something there there's also something else. When it says 5,000, Scripture's pretty clear about it. That it was just men because in Scripture they usually just included men. So we're probably talking more like 20,000 people because it didn't include women and children. You know, so there's that. But I will be honest with you. If you could take to, uh, a few fish and some bread and feed 5,000, you're pretty good. I mean in my book. But when you really know that it was more than 5,000, that's even bigger deal. So verse 5, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, he said, Philip, he said, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now we know what he said in the next verse, but Philip didn't know the next verse. You know what I'm saying? Philip didn't say, well, hold on. What was I supposed to say here? Um, he, it says in the next verse, he said, he asked us only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. But see, Philip didn't. Philip didn't know because... He's he just a normal guy. You know, so Philip, he looks at Philip and says, what are we going to do? And so automatically, just like anybody else, we start, the wheels start turning. I don't know about all the rest of the women in here, but if you women begin to tell your man what's wrong with you, your man immediately, most likely, begins to try to figure out how he's going to help you without even finishing listening to you. Any of that? Has that ever happened? And you women are probably like, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. But it's really hard for us guys to listen and not try to figure out how to fix it because we feel like you're going to make your life better. Because in our minds, if we fix it, everything's good. But in your mind, that's not what you want. You just want somebody to listen to you. And that'll fix it. See, that makes no sense to a man. Is everybody with me? I mean, this is not about marriage, but I just want you to understand. And here Jesus is, he's asking, he's asking, he's asking uh, Philip, he says, hey, Philip, where are we going to get all the food? And Jesus, I think Jesus kind of, I could almost see Jesus, you know, poking somebody like Peter and saying, what's this? And he said, Philip, so, so yo, where, where are we going to get all this food at, man? Where are we going to get this food to feed all these people? And immediately Philip's like, oh my gosh, um, Philip answered him, he says, it would take like at least a half year's wages, you know, to buy enough bread for just everybody to get one bite, you know, and that would be true. But then another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, because we don't hear a lot about Andrew, and the reason we don't, I believe, is because he's Peter's brother. Because you hear a lot about Peter, but you don't hear a lot about Andrew, because I believe that he was always, you know, shaking his head at, at Peter and trying to fix everything. Anyway, so that's a whole other thing. And here he is, he spoke up, and he says in verse 9, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, had the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And if you've read the story, you know it goes on to talk about the fact that they did feed them all. And they took up 12 baskets of leftovers. A lot of people guess why. I don't know. I think maybe because it was the number of disciples and they all— got a basket to take home with I don't know. It was a lesson. It was more about a lesson more than it was about the eating, the food part. But we'll go, let's go into that a little bit today because the Apostle Paul, later on, he he writes, as we read through the New Testament in Thessalonians, he says, in chapter 5, he says, give thanks in all circumstances, all of them, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I, I tell people a lot of times, So listen, people say, I'm praying for God's will. Well, I can tell you, I know for sure, according to Paul in 1 Thessalonians, that one of the things that is definitely God's will is for you to thank him in every circumstance. So if we're praying that God's will would happen, we have to begin to thank him for every circumstance that we're in, no matter what it is. But the real test of faith comes when we have to thank God for what's not there. The real test of faith is when we have to thank God when there's not enough. We sit down and we have meals at our house At a table, you probably do the same thing. And you bless the food and you thank God for the food. But how many of you ever sit down and thank God for a meal that wasn't there? You see, the true test in being thankful comes when there's not enough, when there's not enough there. And I'm sure there were times when I was a kid when we probably didn't have enough, but my mom never told us. We continued to eat that freezer queen sliced beef and gravy over mashed potatoes that come out of a box, and it was overbred, and it was soggy, but we ate it anyway, right? Actually, that sounds pretty decent to me now, but nonetheless, back then it was like, ugh, you know. And, but generally, we always had peanut butter and bread in the cabinet. But what do you do when you don't have enough? A lot of times, all of us probably understand that when we don't have enough of something, generally, we get stressed. I don't have enough money to pay the bills. I'm a little stressed. I don't have enough physical stamina to continue going any further in this job. I get stressed. I don't have enough love in my heart to continue working this out with my spouse. So we get stressed. I don't have enough patience to deal with these kids right now. So what do I do? I, I, I spew at the kids because I don't have the pa- You know what I'm saying? Does everybody understand? When you don't have enough, you just don't have enough. But this is all about for us that don't have enough because Jesus told him, he said, you give them something to eat. And it's at that point that we see the first not enough in the story because, first off, they had been with Jesus the whole day and they hadn't had time. So the first thing is they don't have enough of, they don't have enough time. What are we going to do? We're going to go out and buy something? We don't have enough time at this point because... For indeed, they were out and about, and they were going to have to go into the marketplaces and get food. And not only that, they're going to have to get food for a lot of people, and who's going to have that amount of food, you know? So that's a lot. And here's something else that I think that needs to be called attention to, because there were so many people, chances are good that the marketplace had probably shut down because Jesus was coming to town. Jesus was in, in the area, so a lot of these places that they probably would have bought things were probably closed. So that's out. But... It was more about the time. So these places, the enough time to go out, get it, and everything else because it was already kind of getting in the evening. But you still need to be thankful even when you don't have enough time. If you don't have enough time. You still need to be thankful it's because we don't have enough money to buy enough bread. That's what adequately, to adequately feed all the people basically is what, what they said. In other words, Philip and the rest of the disciples thought that Jesus was asking them to do that which was impossible. That was the second not enough. I don't have enough money. You know? And I've said that before in my own life. Not enough money. One of the things that I've, we've been diligent about with our kids as they've grown up is that we don't ever want them to hear them say, I don't have enough money. Now, have there been times they didn't have enough money? Absolutely. But there's a mindset and there's something else that goes along with this scarcity mindset, this poverty mindset. We said we don't want that to be in our kids because we heard that a lot growing up. So we said, all right, we're gonna do something different. We're gonna pay our kids to do work. We're not gonna give them an allowance because they're allowed to stay in our house. They're allowed to eat <laughs> and they're allowed to wear clothes right? And so, but when they work at home, they're going to get paid. And what we've done through the years, and it don't sound like much, but we pay them each month or each week based on their age. So if Jonan, who's six years old, he folds towels. It's one of the things that he does. That's his job. He folds towels, and he does some other things as well. But how many of y'all would like to have a six-year-old Jonan in your house folding towels because you hate folding towels, right? That's pretty much us. So we pay him $6 a week, but we only pay him once a month. So $24 a month that he gets paid. When we're standing in Walmart, instead of having a meltdown, instead of him saying, I want this, I want this, I want this, we say, did you bring your money? And he says, no. Then I say, well, next time we're coming, you'll bring your money. And then when he brings his money, and he's standing there looking at that Lego set that costs way too much for what you get, right? But we're going to do it anyway. You remember when you could buy Legos and build stuff, and now they come in kits, and if you don't have the kits, all in, I mean, anyway, so that's another story. And he's standing there looking at this $50 kit, and he's got $30 in his wallet. I said, have you got the money? He said, I don't have enough money. I said, well, you know what you've got to do? He said, I've got to keep working for it. And we've never, ever had a meltdown in Walmart or anywhere else from any of our kids because it's on them. It's their responsibility to afford the things that they want. So what it does is it creates a mindset that says, I can do this if I want to. I never look at this. We never look at it and say, I don't have enough money, which says to me that I'm poor, I'm impoverished, or anything else, and I don't want that to be in them. Does everybody get me? If you've got small kids, you want to learn something, I can't teach everything. man and I can't teach it, but I can tell you that, that we've got proof that it works. And the last thing that I want is some bratty kid, because anytime I see some kid throwing a fit in Walmart over some, some toy and their parent's are like, oh, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not okay. You need to beat their butt. You know, that's what you need. Come on, what parents aren't thinking the same thing? You need, they need to beat their butt. And then the other thing is, is I want to go over to them and say, you want me to help you with your life? You want me to help you make this better? Because honestly, this will work if you will do it. Because here's the thing. That six-year-old is going to grow up to be a 20, 25, a 30-year-old. It's going to be married. They're going to have children. And they're going to still be throwing fits because they didn't get what they wanted. You know? But in this case, it changes the mindset. And a lot of us need to understand that we need to change our mindset from not enough to it's an opportunity for God to do something. And that's what the Scripture is about. We don't have enough money. That's what they said. They're second, not enough. But while Philip was explaining why it couldn't be done, Guess where Andrew was? Andrew was on the prowl. Nobody was talking about Andrew. Nothing about scripture says, but Andrew went out to see what he could find. No, all we see is Andrew says, well, and I can see it right now. Andrew's like, "Uh, there's this boy, and he's got some Twinkies and a couple sardines. And maybe you could use that. I don't know. You know, and here Andrew comes back. And so the rest of them are trying to figure it out in their mind. They're trying to figure out how they're going to afford it. They're going to tr- figure out how they're going to feed it. They're trying to figure out all the logistics of it. And Andrew, even though he doesn't necessarily believe it can happen, he does at least go out and say, okay, but I found this little boy. The unlike list of people. This little boy, when he left the house, his mama took his Star Wars lunchbox. She packed five pieces of bread and two fish in it. She said, here, wherever you go today, you're going to get hungry because McDonald's, we don't have those things. We don't have Hardee's. You can't drive through. You can't walk in. You're going to have to eat. And little did she know when she packed that little bit that it was going to feed 20,000 people. Think about that, y'all. When's the last time that you thanked God for the little bit or did you complain about the little bit? And I'm, I'm being real, I'm being myself here. I'm, I mean, I've done it before, and I fret and complain and everything else. Now, when we're faced with not enough situations, we've got to guard our attitudes and our dispositions because if we're not careful, not enough, uh, not enough in our life will cause us to fret and complain. Now, here's the problem with that. Now, I've complained. Anybody else complain? I complain, I complain, but I catch myself now, and I'm like, wait, hold on, I need to stop because I'll be driving through somewhere, Something other. And th- Number one, if you're in this country and you get a drive through somewhere and get food, you shouldn't be complaining at all. Yeah. Right? When we went to Liberia, I didn't see any drive throughs And I was looking. I don't even like McDonald's, and I was looking for one. <laughs> I was like, God, there was a McDonald's. I swear I'd drive through it. I'd buy everybody in that line some food. I swear I would. I promise you. But not one McDonald's, not one drive-thru. Not one at all. Matter of fact, the gas stations were not really gas stations. They were people set up like they were selling vegetables except they had gallons of gas in gallon jugs, okay? So when you pull into a gas station today or tomorrow or this week and you get gas and you start thinking, man, it costs so much, think about this. Somewhere in another country, they don't have any. Somewhere in another country, they're paying $10 a gallon and there's some little kid pouring it into their gas tank and they're getting one gallon or two gallons at a time. And they're going as far as they can go on that, but we fill it up. Listen, guys, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Our, our, this world is a mess in a hurry, but there's still so much to be thankful for. And the thing about it, I can easily complain, and all of us could, but what most of us fail to realize is part of the reason that we don't have enough is because we're always complaining about not having enough. And we're reaping the fruit of complaining about not having enough. Because the Bible says this in Proverbs 18, it says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall be filled. In other words, what we believe and say with conviction on a consistent basis will ultimately find fulfillment in the circumstances of our life. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's so interesting see, because I believe that as our mouth speaks out of the abundance of our hearts, according to Scripture, our eyes and our heads are directed toward where our mouth speaks. So if we're constantly complaining, then we see nothing but things to complain about. Come on, how many of y'all got somebody in your family that they don't do nothing but complain? And how many of y'all love to be around them? Just a ray of sunshine? You know, or you see somebody you work with and all they do is complain. Because they'll never see it. You can take them to it and show them. You could stick their face in the middle of what God has done and they would not see it because they are positioned in their heart to do nothing but complain and that is a choice that they've made and they will never see the blessing in something, even the little, because they see the little as a problem. But the little is not a problem if you put that in the right hands. And the right hands is in the hands of Jesus because, I'm going to tell you, I said the first service, if I had a math teacher, I'd want Jesus to be my math teacher. He wouldn't teach things the way this world teaches them. He said, now kids, today we're going to take five and we're going to multiply that by two. And the answer is 20,000. With a remainder of 12. But here's what we don't see in this story. How many, th- how many people did the 12 baskets feed because maybe, possibly, we don't know for sure. That Andrew, now that he's seen this happen, he took the basket home to his family and he looked and he went, <laughs> This is what Jesus did. And all, all we're doing is replicating what Jesus thanked God for it, blessed it, and he broke it. Could it possibly have been that the 12 actually fed thousands more? We don't really know. But even if it fed just a few more, that's still pretty cool because it started from very little and it ended up being a lot because of it was in in the right hands. And so the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. You know, there's numerous scriptures that tells us to speak things. And I'm not here to say that if we speak it, it's going to happen necessarily. But I can tell you this, that what I say here is is, is just what comes out of here and if what's coming out of here I'm not happy with, it means that what's going on in here is not okay. And I need to do what I need to do to change what's in here, starting with Jesus, and then working my way out from there. And then as I do, then this will change. And as this changes, my mindset and my eyes and where I look and how I look at things change as well. I hate being around somebody that complains a, a lot. I mean, I don't mind being around somebody that complains, but when they, all they do is complain. You know, I'm, you know I, I won't go into detail because I've got several in my family. Um, so I've got one aunt. I won't talk about her or anything, but we won't put this service online next week. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> so, uh, she is like that. So anyway, so, but Jesus didn't complain about the two fish, five loaves. He didn't say, well, these aren't enough. We're going to have to go get more. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks Right? And that's the point I really want to drive home today. We've got to learn to be thankful even when think, we think it's not enough. Because you see, sometimes what we think is not enough is actually more than enough. Because what they had was not enough in their hands, but when they placed it in the hands of Jesus, all of a sudden it became more than enough. Maybe that's our problem. is Instead of taking it and looking at it, maybe we should take it and say, you know what, this is not the demise of me, this is an opportunity. I'm going to put it in the hands of Jesus, and now it becomes more than enough. For what I need it for. So I believe the difference was in the Thanksgiving. The disciples resented not enough, but Jesus was thankful for not enough. The disciples despised not enough, you know, but Jesus embraced not enough. And it's a good thing that he does because let me ask you are you enough? Is anybody in here enough today on your own merit? No. So Jesus embraces the not enough because the cross was all about embracing not enough people and that was me and that was you. And so I'm thankful that he's good with not enough because not enough kind of gets under my skin and it gets on my nerves but Jesus says give me the not enough because with the not enough I'm going to show you more than enough. Because that's how He is. And so the disciples saw not enough as a problem but Jesus saw it as an opportunity because you see often the difference between frustration and fulfillment Between success and failure, between uh, poverty and provision is how you respond to your not enough situations because all of us get them. And I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter your financial status or your social status. Everybody Everybody is going to face a situation where you're just not enough. I've seen people standing over bedsides where people were on the brink of dying that have been diagnosed terminally and I've been standing there with them. And in that moment, I'm like, you're not enough. There's, I, I can't do anything. I want to do something right here. And, and prayer feels like it's just not enough. I mean, I, don't, I, I want to breathe into them. I want to donate something to them. I want to be able to go out and buy something to make them better, but it's just not enough. And it's those moments. And I'm like, but, you know, the thing about it is with Jesus, I'm always going to be more than enough, always. And so you see, that's the key. Life never leaves you with nothing. You know, I've complained myself, I don't have anything, I don't have anything. There's never been a moment in my life when I've had nothing. Anybody understand that? You feel like you have nothing, but you've got something. You got some clothes, you got something, you got an old ratty car, you got something, you got, you know, maybe you didn't have that, you got a bicycle. I, one boy come, kept coming to my house, he came to my house, and he says, he said, I need a ride. I said, yeah, I'll give you a ride. Cause, and I said, I'll give you a ride. He had moved in the, down the road from us, and, I said, I'll give you a ride. I took him, give him a ride somewhere because he'd forgot his wallet there. and he got. I said, well, I'll wait on you and I'll take you back home. And he got out of there. He said, well, I need to make another stop. I said, where are we going? He said, to this store down here. I said, what are we going to the store for? He said, well, I'm going to be honest with you because you're a preacher. I was like, well, that's great. I'm glad that you're only honest when there's a preacher in the presence. I don't know what that's about. Be honest, period. He said, I'm going to go buy me some alcohol. I said, well, are you an alcoholic? you got it bad? I said, I cannot take you to do that. If you want to do that on your own time with your own money, that's fine. But I can't. And he said, no. He said, so, so he walked. And, and I didn't do it. I was like, well, I'm not, it's not that I don't love him. It's just that I can't be the one who ushers him into what's causing problems in his life. I don't, the Bible says for me not to be a stumbling block. So then a few days later at 11 o'clock at night, he knocks on the door at 11 o'clock at night. I was up, but I was the only one up. And he just didn't knock on the door. He didn't just come up and do this. He beat on the door all of a sudden. So I'm like, Ah-ha! you know, I'm like, wow. And I go to the door and I peek over the thing and I see him standing there. And I was like, doggone. go. It's what happens when you do something for somebody. That's what happens. It's why I, this, Amanda says that's why you shouldn't be so nice. <laughs> she says that you did. Did you? Oh, you did, I'm sorry. She didn't say that. She really does say that. So, but no, he. I, and and I seen. I said, man, it's eleven o'clock at night. I know, man. But I. I said, no, go home, go to bed. You come back home tomorrow and holler at me. He come back tomorrow. I said, I got a bicycle. I'm gonna give it to you. So I'm gonna give it. It's a really nice bike. So I'm gonna give it to you. So you, no, man, I don't need a bicycle. I said, well, you ain't gonna keep coming to my house. And he said, why not? And I said, Dude, man, I said, I got kids. I got responsibilities. I'm not here for your taxi service. But what I'm offering you is an opportunity to go faster than walking. <laughs> and he refused it. He quit coming to the house after that. So that's all it needed. It's not that I was, I'm not trying to care for him. But you understand, he looked at things different than I looked at him. I looked at it as a bicycle was better than walking. I've never been without nothing. That young man was he had things. He had a wallet. He had money in it. He had legs. He had the ability to go and do. If you've ever said to yourself, woe is me, I have nothing, you have just lied to yourself because life will never leave you with nothing. You will always have something, something. The problem is, what are we going to do with that something that we have? And I want to encourage you today, man, put it in the hands of Jesus. And I don't mean that in some, well, that's what pastors are supposed to say, put it in the hands of Jesus and he'll just, no, here's what I'm talking about. Let me show you this. Sometimes the not enough is not meant to be the fruit that we consume. Sometimes the not enough is meant to be the fruit that we're supposed to sow. <laughs> That's the thing that we have a hard time with. I don't have enough time. I got enough time to go out there and serve. Well, then you luck with that. Because I've had numerous times in my life when I said, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough energy, I don't have enough gas money to go over there and do what it is. That, and they're not even going to pay me when I go over there. And I'm going, and then something in me says, no, i got to do it anyway. And when I go do it, then all of a sudden, the things that I have on my list of things to do, now were actually done by somebody else, or it got done much faster than what I thought that it would. And what are you telling me? You're telling me, I believe that was the fruit of me sowing the not enough that I had. Because when we sow the not enough, instead of consuming it, now all of a sudden we begin to reap something greater. And let me tell you. When you plant something, do you just get one of that something? No, you usually get multiple things of that one. You plant a seed in the ground that grows an apple tree that produces fruit for years and years and years, and it feeds many, many people. So one of the things that we do when we get in this funk, when we complain all the time, is we're continuing to consume the seed. One thing that I've seen in common with all people who complain all the time is that they're consumers. They don't give anything. They just consume. I'm just going to consume. I'm going to complain. Doesn't matter what church you put them in. Don't matter where you put them. Don't matter what job you put them in. Don't matter who the mama is, who the daddy is. Don't matter who the brothers and sisters are. Don't matter how much money they got, they're going to complain. You know? And complainers are consumers. But those that are not complainers, those that are like us in here today, right? We're not, we're not consumers. We're givers. And we realize that that little bit is meant to be sown rather than to be swallowed. Jesus was thankful for not enough. The Bible says Jesus took the loaves and fish and began to bless and break them. And that's where the miracle took place, in between the blessing and the breaking. And see, as Jesus blessed and he broke the pieces of bread and fish multiplied. Well, you know, over this time together this morning, I've told you about the danger in complaining. But because the more you complain, the more you have to complain about Because you reap and sow and you reap and sow and you plant and you plant and every time we complain, we hear it and we're complaining and we're sowing those seeds in us and so we're never going to be okay. Because there's some people, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You know people that are complainers and you've tried to help them, but there ain't no help for them. Because there ain't nothing you're going to say that's going to change anything because guess what? It's up to them to have a revelation as to why it's so dangerous to be complaining. So Jesus was thankful And so the opposite can be true as far as if we do nothing but complain, we're going to reap that. But if we do nothing but give thanks, then we're going to reap that too. Because the more thankful you are, the more you will have to be thankful for. Because now you position your eyes and your head to be able to see the things that you should be thankful for. And that's why we ought to live a life with an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to live my life that way. I'm going to be grateful. Listen. There's times when I complain. There's times like I'll go, I've went through McDonald's. We get breakfast every morning at McDonald's, every Sunday morning at McDonald's so that everybody here that shows up early can eat because we don't want anybody to be grouchy. (laughs) Sometimes the greatest thing you can do to somebody, you say, well, I could pray for them. You could, but you could feed them. Jesus even taught us this. We need to feed people. And so we feed people and we go through there and I know that they're shorthanded. I know that they're struggling along with every other business because they can't get enough employees because of all these various things. And we can get into the political side of it, but I don't want to because the bottom line is everybody is sacrificing. And so here I am, and we drive through, and we'll sit there. We sit there a few weeks ago. We sit there in, in the actual right there at the sign. Right there it is. We sit there for five minutes before anybody ever said anything to us. And I was sitting there going, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I really want to complain right now, God, but I'm going to say thank you. Right? And then they finally come over and they said it, you know, and, and they did it. And we got our food and we were in the drive-thru and everything for probably 15 or 20 minutes. And there was like only two or three cars. Do I have reason to complain? Well, it depends on who you are. It depends on what standards you live by. Yes, I had reason to complain. But I didn't. Instead, what I did is I looked at the woman and I said thank you so much, and so on and so forth. And you know that when we operate in a spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude, people will treat us differently because people will not dread seeing you come, they will love seeing you come. And you know what I wanna be? I wanna be a church full of people that are just so grateful that it irritates all the people that complain. It's a gift, I mean really. So, because, and here's the thing, you say, I got all kinds of stupid, crazy people in my life. I just can't get rid of them. One of the best ways you can get rid of them is to start being grateful and thankful for everything around you. Because they'll not want to hang around you. Serious. So you're doing yourself good, not only personally, but you're also doing yourself good because people that don't want to do anything but complain don't want to be around you. So it's interesting enough because I see this stuff out in public, just normal things. People that work at Foodline, that I express to them occasionally. I do this to the ladies in the Deli Bakery. I do this over here. Over here, Th- these ladies are rock and roll, man. I mean, they're amazing. They quit catering, but guess what? They still cater for us here at our church. And Catering, I just mean they make fried chicken. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And so, and it's extremely affordable. And they said, well, we stopped catering. Gracie goes in there several weeks ago. She's going to get some fried chicken. They said, well, we can stop catering. And she said, wait a second. Your daddy's at Lighthouse, right? She said, yeah. She said, well, we do it for y'all. Now, I'm not bragging. What I'm saying is that every single time I go in there, I'm like, I am so thankful for all you do. And you say, well, it's just fried chicken. It doesn't matter if it's just fried chicken. You say it's not enough. It doesn't matter because when you are thankful for the not enough, you'll get more than enough. And I see it all the time. And this, A few weeks ago, I actually took them pizza in there. I took them pizza. I said, I know y'all probably don't get pizza because you don't do anything but fried stuff over here because it's all good stuff, all fried. Everything's fried. We're going to fry it up because that's what we do in the South. We fry it up. So we went and got some pizza, and they were like, what is the pizza? This is what happens, you know? I mean, you just spend $25, $30 on some pizza. and you th- Listen, how many of you would like to have favor with the people that are around you? Absolutely. I'd rather have favor with God, but I really enjoy having favor with people because that's how it goes when we operate in a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness and we express it and show that. We sow those seeds. So Jesus Jesus took the bread and the fish and he blessed and broke the pieces. And when he gave it to the disciples, the disciples gave it to the crowd. As Jesus was thanking and blessing and breaking, the disciples were passing out the food. Y'all look at that story several times. Jesus didn't pass out food. Jesus performed the miracle, and then he handed it off to the disciples and said, now you go feed the people. And see, we have to feed the people. We have to operate in that, serving him, allowing him to use us and work through us. And y'all, I've thought about this all week long. I don't know how it went down, but I'm going to imagine if I was one of the disciples, there's a lot of people. How long did it take? We read it in scripture and we're like, oh, it's probably like 30 seconds. You don't feed 20,000 people in 30 seconds. How long did that take? Think about the operation, the logistics of that. How does that even work? You know, I mean, that's a crazy amount of people. And here they are feeding people, and they got these baskets, and they just keep reaching in the baskets, and there's just more food keeps coming. They're like, I'm down to one bread. and They look back, and there's like 18, you know, or something. I don't know. But I'm like, what? And they're like, what? And how in the world? Me, You know? The miracle just continued to just, I mean, unfold. And it, it, I'm just like, what in the world? That is so amazing. I mean, you all done the same thing. You didn't have enough, but you were thankful for it anyway. And the next thing you know, you reached in and there was something you didn't see. Oh, you didn't catch that. Oh, there was this. And oh, oh, by the, oh, 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 what? That's what I do when something shows up that I didn't expect. I'm what? You know, so... I went and did jury duty, well, actually, I was just going for selection at federal court back a few months ago, and they didn't select me. (laughs) Thank God. So even though there's part of me that would really like to do it, does anybody like me? Because I'm just nosy enough that I'm like, I would really like to get in the middle of a big murder trial, you know, and see what that's like. I I don't want anybody to commit murder, but, you know, it's it's still, it's kind of like cool to think about being on this jury. But then there's part of me that says no, but the part that got me was going back and forth to Charleston. And, and they said, well, you'll get paid so much, you know, it's not very much money and everything. And so I left there that day. I wasn't selected. I partied all the way back home, stopped to sign up, got me a drink. Goes, yeah, didn't get picked? And so I get home. And I'm not even thinking of it because I thought you only got paid when you actually did it. But a few weeks later, I got a check from them, and it was like $160 or something other. Do you understand this? I wasn't expecting anything. Okay? Is everybody with me? And Amanda said, here's a check. I said, what? A check? And I opened it up. I was like, dang, I said, it's like 160 bucks. She's like, is that what makes you excited? I said, thank God. (laughs) I said, I wasn't expecting a thing. And God showed up with a hundred. I was like, what? I said, I'm not going to go back over there again. I mean, you know, but I'm not going to go back over there again. She said, I can't believe you're that excited about it. I said, no, you understand. I wasn't expecting anything. So to have gotten something really shocked me and surprised me. It wasn't so much the amount, even though, how many of y'all going to turn down 160 bucks? Yeah, yeah, that's all right. I, was, I didn't think anybody said, I went to Mexican, man. So anyway, <laughs> look at this, the story as I finish up. It's not enough, but when you place it in the hands of the one who is enough, it ends up being more than enough. What is it that you're coming short up on today? Instead of consuming it, instead of complaining about it, instead of saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, why don't you take it and say, well, hold on a second. It's not enough to do what I'm wanting, but maybe God wants me to sow it into the hands of Jesus because God's got something greater than what I know right here in front of me. And I want to challenge you, whatever it is, maybe finances, it may be uh, time, maybe strength, it may be whatever it is, you say, I just don't have enough of whatever it is, you fill in the blank. And I want you to take that, and I want you to put it in the hands of Jesus, and I want you to say, you know what, I'm going to trust you with this. You know, maybe it's financial. You know, Charlie alluded to it last week, and I don't talk about it a whole lot, but Amanda and I have learned this principle in our life. We give. And when it hurts, we give more. Because every single time God shows up, greater than what he did. And this is not one of those, if you sow into this, you're going to get tenfold and everything else. I hope that's what works for you. It don't matter. But what I'm telling you is what I know in my own life. I was once blind and now I see. And the only difference between my blindness and the seeing is Jesus. And the things that I did to respond to him and his word. And I began to sow with my time. I began to sow with my strength. I began to sow in the things that he had me to do and so I'm going to continue to put it in the hands of Jesus because when I put it in the hands of Jesus, it's more than enough.